Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name's Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 17 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. A shout out to our friend Alob for the intro music. You can find him on Spotify. Search A-L-O-B. Chris, you almost messed up on the M again this this week. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> we got past it, but you almost messed up. I was almost <laughs> giddy just laughing. I, I can't even help myself. And then Kyle posted on uh, on Facebook, and I just... I, been watching yeah. it like every single time I need a smile <laughs> yeah. and a laugh. Yeah. And you know what? A smile and a laugh is, I think, something we need right now because no um, kidding. It, it's kind of a hard time to be Catholic. It's a heavy time to be Catholic. Yeah. And uh, I thought we could address that today. So as ministry leaders, how do we respond to scandal? And yeah. I, I wanted to dive into that. Um, unless you are under a rock, you probably have heard of the report that the grand jury released uh, recently in regards to uh, the six of the eight dioceses in Pennsylvania. It uh, it kind of brought to light over a thousand cases of abuse yep. that have happened, and and a variety of other scandals and things like that. And I wanted to start by just talking about, okay, as ministry leaders, how do we respond to scandal? But first of all, how should we feel about this? Because I feel as a ministry leader that I'm kind of a representative or an agent of the Catholic Church, and I don't want to say anything that'll hurt the team. But at the same time, I'm piping hot about this. Like, I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. I feel betrayed. I'm disappointed. There's shame. Like, all these emotions, right? Yep. And uh, and so what what, – is there any emotion that we don't have permission to feel, Matt? I am – no. Absolutely not. Because – I don't know. You you didn't mention one that I was thinking of, and maybe you did, but – the uh, those of us who are ministry leaders, whatever area we're in, there's a certain amount of, I don't know, self-consciousness that comes into that as well as like, are people looking at me and wondering if I'm like that? Right. And and how much of that, I don't know, do we carry? Well, I, I was thinking about it too. I was like, crap, are we going to, as a reaction to this, are we going to even lose the ability to do the, to do the side hug, like the yeah. ministry side <laughs> yeah. hug? Yeah. Which is positive physical touch, which is something that's so needed in in the life of a teenager, youth, or uh, adults, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's so important that we have uh, avenues of that, and it makes me, yeah, I don't want to to have to be scrupulous in my actions in a way that will prevent ministry from being successful. Well, I mean, but I do you, want to be diligent, you know. Yeah, relational ministry is is hard enough. Um, but then after dealing with the scandals or the, I guess the exposure of the scandals in the nineties and now more exposure of the same thing now, um, is it going to restrict relational ministry to a point where it's not impossible, but just, I don't know. Is that what you're referring to? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, so uh, let me, let me share just a little bit about where my heart is at. My heart hurts because of all the good priests and bishops that we have. Yep. And now their credibility is called into question. Yep. My heart hurts because the most vulnerable, youth, children, even seminarians, those who are seeking God the most fervently, have been taken advantage of because of their love of Christ and his church. Yeah. That families who trusted had that trust leveraged against them for sinful behavior. Yep. The, the, I, I'm hurt by that. I'm hurt by some of the posts that I see on social media that actually want to see priests, cardinals, and bishops bleed. Like, you know, like, and and there is a certain amount of penance and sacrifice and things like that that need to take place. But 
but I want to be a part of that as well. I want to say I am sorry that people in the Catholic Church have done this. I just don't want to see a a bishop or a cardinal. But there are some that are more responsible than others, and those who are most responsible should be held accountable. Even if the law no longer allows, I think that the church could and should set up some avenues to go ahead and make sure that this is never going to happen again. I am appalled that this is a longstanding thing. Like, we're a church of tradition. And these patterns of behavior have been permitted, at least that's what the report revealed, have been permitted in a longstanding way that, I mean, it, it shakes the foundation of my understanding of the church in a large degree. And yet... I am hopeful. And that's this is a crazy part is I am hopeful because, you know, just like a gardener, a tree that gets pruned or a plant that gets pruned has uh, gets cut back and then has new new blooming. And I believe that this is a great opportunity in the church to go ahead and bring light to dark areas that maybe have been ignored in the past in a way that will hopefully purify our our entire community yeah. Oh, no. So there's you know, a range. There's a range. Well, and, and, and when things get pruned, they typically grow stronger roots, you know, and they and they just get healthier um, before they put off those new shoots. So that's something that's that's to look forward to that that should give us hope looking forward. But you were talking about anger and, you know, some anger is too far. But many of us like I actually saw a post recently where someone was like, your condolences and whatever, I don't care about all that. If this happened to my kid, <laughs> I would kill someone. Yes. You know, um, and, and where is that outrage? You know, we don't see that outrage, you know, from the church. It doesn't seem like it's there. Now, I know that there, there is some of that, but just that, you know what I'm saying? So I think there's, there's a point where you take it too far, but then there's a point where you've just, I don't know, softened it too much. What do you think? I have a, uh, a friend that is a priest and he posted like, I know you guys are hungry for a response from your priests and your bishops. We're devastated by this. We're mourning. We're torn apart. We don't know how to say something just yet because we haven't gotten strong enough to be able to even really kind of process it ourselves. And so that for me was encouraging because I saw that, I saw that uh, maybe a similar post Someone who basically said, you know, it seems like the response from the bishops or the church so far has been one of a manager trying to protect his assets as Mm. opposed to a father horrified at what happened to his children. Yeah, absolutely. Those those who were abused were a part of someone's flock. That's their children. And I just thought that that element of fatherhood and spiritual fatherhood was such a good point. And I I believe that we're going to see more of that. In fact, by the time this podcast airs, I think that we're going to see uh, a lot more spiritual fatherhood in, in regards to the response from the bishops, priests, and cardinals. Yeah, and that's and that's what we need. That's what we all need. I've heard of other, you know, potential responses, but one of the things that that I hear across the board from in, from people that I talk to is like we we need some some real repentance from the church, from the leadership. And we need them to just come out with everything. Quit letting it trickle out like this. Quit letting it come out from under the rug years later. If there's anything else, tell us now. Like, get it out. And I think that's a beautiful point. And I think it's actually okay, and I would argue healthy, even for us as ministry leaders, to admit our own failings and brokenness. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. So I, I know plenty of uh, plenty of youth ministers who have struggled because they're excellent at relational ministry, but they're not so good at administration. Yeah. And the expectation is that they feel like they need to be perfect in all areas. And once they go ahead and step forth and talk to their pastor or their supervisor and say, this is a growth area for me, then instead of the supervisor being frustrated with them, the supervisor all of a sudden says, well, thank you for admitting that you need help in this area. Let's go ahead and get you some help in this area, whether it be coaching or some systems in place to help you in the area that you have a weakness. Now, there's certain things that, okay, we need to remove you from ministry in order to get you help. And I think what happened with these recent scandals and things like that are great examples of that. But even on a smaller level, if priests and bishops can't admit that they're human, that they're broken, that they are desperately in need of God's mercy, forgiveness, and love, then how are we as ministry leaders further down the line supposed to go ahead and uh, and, and deal with our own brokenness at whatever degree we have? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, a paragraph, and I, I wish I'd pulled it up um, or I had it with me, but it's at the end of the, oh, it's Raniero Cantalamesa's uh Sober Intoxication of the Holy Spirit, the second volume. Um, and, and at the end of it, it's a priest's quote or a priest's response to someone telling him, dude, just leave the church. You need to leave the church. And this was during the Reformation 500 years ago. Um, and and he his response was, um, as messed up as the church is, she accepts me as messed up as I am. Mm. you know, and, and I accept her as messed up as she is. And like Peter... To where else will I go? You know, no one else has the, you know, the bread of life. No one else has that, you know, so where else would I go? And I just, the, it was just a really good, I don't know, way of looking at it is that, yes, the, the church is broken. And yes, there are things that, about the, the people in the church that are absolutely sinful. <laughs> same here. I mean, same thing in the mirror. You know, um, there are things in my life that, that I, I want to root out and need to root out yes. and have, you know, and so that, that, that I think, I feel like that's common, but we definitely expect more from our ministry leaders. We expect more from the Catholic church and we hold them to higher standards and they should be held to higher standard. Everyone who's a ministry leader is absolutely held to a higher standard and you should be. Right. And for those ministry leaders out there that feel like, oh gosh, this again, or this, you know, is coming up. I just want to bury my head in the sand or I just want to leave the church. Mm. Like I, I, I want to give you permission to feel that, yeah. to, to yeah. wrestle with that, but also to, to reflect. I, I don't think that we should make decisions like that in reaction to something. Yep. But I do know that there's a lot of people out there that uh, that I have seen that are like, see, this is why I left the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah. nope, no, you left the Catholic Church long ago for a variety of personal reasons or whatever it was. And there's probably a few that abuse or scandal or something like that affected them directly. And that's may have been why they left. But a lot of people who are just like, I was just living a mediocre life and I just, you know, was too lazy or too apathetic to actually go. But now I have a reason to point to. I think that we need to challenge those people to be honest with themselves, right? Because even if the church was perfect um, or its members were perfect, I think they'd still not be uh, you know, going to church or par- practicing their Catholic faith, you know, but, uh, but boy, I've seen a lot of former Catholics that sound like experts in the midst of this scandal. You know what I mean? That they're yeah. like, Oh, this and that. And I told you so. So if you're feeling but, that way, yeah. that's okay. But I mean, just stick with it. I want to encourage you guys to stick with it because, um, this actually, I believe will make our church stronger 
in a couple of years. The next yeah. couple of years might be very difficult. Yeah. And, and, and it may thin out, you know, quite a bit. Who knows? The, we, it's no secret that we already have a ton of people, you know, leaving the church, which is why we have such a huge emphasis on evangelization and the, the new evangelization and, and all of that. But, and then on top, so people leave and their number one reason is my spiritual needs aren't being met. We may find that reason changing, you know, in the next, you know, few years. And number one reason I left is because they can't get their crap together. Right. And, and, and I believe that uh, there are some parishes or dioceses in our country that are going to shift from managing decline to managing scandal. Mm. And then there's other pockets that are going to shift from mission, forming missionary evangelization, missionary disciples, to being missionaries of healing and hope yeah. in the midst yeah. of this. And so I think that you know the, the places that are already weak, I think, might collapse because of this. Um, and the places that are already strong are actually going to be agents of healing, which yeah. I think ultimately is what we as ministry leaders should look towards in regards to our role, our circle of influence as a ministry leader. So what what should we do in light of the scandal, right? I think on, yeah. on a personal level, we should weep, we should mourn, we should be piping hot mad, we should, um, we should do penance. Yeah. Um, but on a, uh, a kind of a public level in regards to how do we share that, I also think it's okay if we share our frustrations and our hurts in this area. Yeah. But I think we also need to accompany that with the hope. Yeah. This brings to light our desperate need for God's mercy. Yeah. And those who have sheltered themselves from God's amazing mercy are, are more susceptible to fall into sin taking the wheel instead of Jesus taking the wheel. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like every other episode, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I've gotten this this feeling or this sense that anytime we respond to to this, we with I don't know. I, I just don't want any of us or the church at all to understate the pain that that has happened. You know, and I I don't know how you respond to it in a way. Even, even talking about God's mercy and talking about forgiveness and like the readings that I was talking to you about with regards to Ezekiel, that Israel has gone through this cycle, you know, with God from forever. You know, God right. adorns her with jewels and makes her the most beautiful bride. And then she goes out and is a whore, you know, and then he's like, but, but you're going to be embarrassed because I'm going to forgive you. Now, like thinking about that and looking at God's mercy and God's forgiveness, that it is absolutely never ending and limitless. If I am a victim and you say that to me, I don't really know what my, my, what my relationship with God is like at that point, because God is also supposed to be my defender, my protector, right? right. You know, and, and now not only was I not protected, but now the, the perpetrators forgiven by this merciful God, you know, I, so that's the part that I, I, I wrestle with so much in, in how to respond, you know, to this. Mm, yeah. Did I just like, like completely derail the thoughts or no, it, it, I mean, it, it speaks to the heart of the, 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 the shame and the pain that, yeah. that exists, right? Because, you know, a father's role, God, the father is, is supposed to protect and provide. And then the man that I called father, was the perpetrator as well in a lot of these cases, you know what I mean? And so yeah. how, how do you, how do you move forward with the message of mercy without it being dismissive of the atrocities that occurred? Yeah. yeah. 
And that, I think, is a very difficult path to tread because I don't want to say, oh, Jesus's mercy is bigger. Therefore, let's move on. <laughs> Although, yeah. I'll be honest, there's part of me that hopes that uh, our president has some other scandal that surfaces so that this gets out of the spotlight enough for us just to get our legs back on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. And so, um, so well, and how, how do you navigate that? That's, that's a very good point, Matt. On the, other, on, the, on the other side, we have priests that we love that are really special to us um, and that, that I think the world of. So how do I defend them as, as well in all of this and make sure that they know that they're important to me and that I'm, I've got their back? Mm-hmm. So like, out of, like that tension of, of navigating all of this has got to be hard. The, the, those who committed these atrocities, <laughs> I, I don't want to just say they're monsters, um, but th- that there is something, there's a truth to that. Yeah, it's inexcusable horrors, and yes. and so how do we go ahead and do that? So then, then the question becomes: Okay, not a matter of if we're going to respond, but how we're going to respond. So if we change the conversation to how are we going to respond, or what are we going to do? Well, we have to do something as ministry leaders. How do we go about doing that without dismissing the atrocities, uh, or just kind of glazing it over with, "Well, God's mercy is bigger," which is yeah. true. God's yeah. love is stronger, which is true. But there, I mean, I, I saw one where a person was like, I don't know what justice looks like. My brother took his life three years ago um, yeah. from the pain and suffering that he had from the abuse. Like uh, th- that well, that whole family is shocked and, and they, they have lost one of their members as a, as, a, as a bad fruit of this reality. Yeah. And in these wounds, like we're talking about things like now, there are probably some that are more recent, but we're talking about things. That happened 50 years ago. Some, like in, in many cases, 50, 60 years ago. So people have been living their lives wounded by this. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen that effect directly in counseling and in walking alongside someone who was abused as a child. And, and that, that has, like, they look back on their life and they see how much of their life they lost because of the walls they put, they built up and they put up to protect themselves. And so not only do you have those who have taken their lives, there are those who have lived their lives and feel like they've lost it. Right. Yeah. Who have have defined their relationship with God by the horrible, horrible experience they had the last time they were truly open to God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like we haven't mentioned this yet, but there is a real danger because this has been relatively prevalent for so long that we as ministry leaders get numb to the news. Oh, it's happening again. Oh, and it's, it's happening it's, it's again. It's back in the East Coast. Let's not worry no. about it. Here, here yeah. where I am or where, you know. And we can't do that. Um, we can't just, I don't know. That's the the danger of, I guess, repetitive, repeated sin or, or whatnot is you just get used to it. And, you you know, then that's not a good thing. Yeah, and but but some people would argue that this is structural sin. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's even a little bit more scary. But, but I believe that we have to respond. I also believe that our response is going to be a risk no matter what. Yeah. Now, on a couple of levels. One, someone might think we don't go far enough, and another might think that we're um, uh, going too far, and maybe our own uh, uh, supervisor, pastor, or diocese would prefer a different type of response or even silence, you know, but I don't yeah. think that silence is an option. Silence is not an option. We tried that for the last 50 years. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Silence it's is not, not an option. Right. And so how, how as ministry leaders can we respond in a way that, uh, and I, I think the first is to acknowledge our own feelings and emotions about it, to say, yeah. I too am frustrated. I don't know what the pathway forward is, but I do know that I, I'm going to continue to move forward in the church because that's where I find Christ. In the meantime, if you were affected by this in any way, I am so sorry that you have to go through this. It's hard to go ahead and be a Catholic in light of this scandal or whatever scandal. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. not going to be the last time a scandal happens in a church or in the church. Um, but but I think we should acknowledge acknowledge the feelings that people have first and then go ahead and talk about what it looks like as a pathway forward. I, yeah. I'm going to pray for the victims. I'm going to 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 fast, and I invite invite you to join me in yeah. a fast or in, in a holy hour for the victims or whatever it is. And maybe that's what it is: is that we seek in our response to be instruments of healing for those who have been hurt by the church. And and it's it's the whole thing of whatever you say, you're not going to please everyone. And you kind of mentioned this, but we there's a response that we that we need to have to the wounded. There's a, pro, a response we need to have to the good priests. <laughs> we need, there's a, a response we need to have to perpetrators. A response we need to have to just everyone, like the people of God, you know. And so, each each one of these categories, if you will, of, of people, um, there's there's a, a specific response to each one. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think relational ministry individually like how are you feeling about it is the best way to do it but there's situations we have a parent meeting coming up and i believe that at our upcoming parent meeting that i need to go ahead and take a minute out of it to acknowledge the scandal and to let them know that this does not change while you know while we're still broken about this it doesn't change our unwavering commitment to protect and care for god's children amen and and to give that reassurance that things have already been in place for a long time that we have been taking great care to protect their, their children or their youth or, or whoever we're in charge of. So it might be, it might be a good time to talk about, you know, <laughs> as difficult as, as it is for kind of some of the hoops that you have to jump through for safe environment, Veritus or whatever the program is called in your own diocese. It's a time for us now to go ahead and say, Hey, we've been jumping through this, these hoops for love of your children. Every volunteer that we have has been trained and background checked. And this wasn't a result of a scandal. This has been going on since 2002 proactively you know what i mean and yeah. uh and things like that so that that i believe that reassurance might be part of our message uh, combined with hope and healing yeah and i don't know like is that last statement you said actually true um because i mean when par- when diocese started actually requiring these things it was in response to a scandal maybe not locally here you know but you know what i'm saying here in our diocese, the, the charter, well, okay, to answer your question, the bishops did all sign a charter for, for young people as a response to the, the spotlight scandal that broke out in Boston around 2005, yeah. I believe. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's what I thought. I mean, it, it's, it wasn't <laughs> but preemptive. In, in, it in was In our responsive. diocese specifically, uh, Bishop Amond was uh, already in the process of creating some sort of an on-ramp for anyone working with youth or vulnerable adults. Gotcha. Three three years prior to that scandal breaking. Okay. Okay. And and so it's it's I guess it's a yes and it became yeah. standard in yeah. Catholic dioceses throughout the United States after the scandal in Boston broke out, but it was able to be implemented so quickly because some dioceses had already begun the legwork to make that a uh, a priority. Yeah. So you you uh, you were talking a little bit, and actually at the very beginning, it made me think exactly kind of how I respond to stuff like this. 
like having hope, knowing that the church has gone through all kinds of stuff over the last 2000 years, again, not glossing over what we're going through now, but she has withstood all of that and grown better. And that's how that's like looking at our spiritual life. When we go through stuff, whatever it is, if we're faithful and or responding to God, he grows us, you know, and, and helps us be better in our spiritual life and, and all of that. So I have hope that that is going to happen, you know, in the church that I have hope that God is with her. The Holy Spirit is guiding her and, and we're going to get through this stronger. But personally, I need to laugh. Um, you mentioned that at the very beginning of the podcast. So, like, honestly, the last week and a half or something like that, I've been listening to comedians on on the radio because, I like, Gary Goldman makes me laugh. Um, and I need to laugh. And so that's how I've, I, I've been responding to stuff like this is giving myself an excuse, you know, or a reason to laugh and so that's one of my responses. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily healthy, you know, or what, but... I mean, you know. it makes sense because one of your primary sources of joy has been shaken. Yeah, yeah. And I know that your spiritual life and your devotion to, to Jesus and his church is, is, is part of your identity. And yeah. that got shaken. And so you go ahead and comedians can make you laugh. And you're getting a temporary fix. But long term, if a year from now, you're still just going to comedy and you haven't <laughs> turned back to the yeah. Lord to find that lasting yeah. joy, I would say that... Uh, we need to have another podcast. To yeah, yeah, long. Yeah. This, this podcast isn't a podcast. It's an intervention, you know. <laughs> no, I agree. How about so, you, Chris? Well, I am still kind of just torn in regards to it because I know other people who are hurt by this yeah. and that I care about and that I seek to lead. You know, I had a former uh, teen, also a listener, hello, um, contact me. And he said straight up, he's like, what the hell should I think about this? Yeah. Like he, he was, and I, I, he's like, is it okay that I'm pissed? And I'm like, yes, it's okay that you're pissed. You should have some righteous anger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, like, I think that we need to be a part of those instruments of healing, you know, and I don't know what that looks like. How do I go yeah. ahead and help someone who was abused 25 years ago that I don't know that I just read about the atrocities in a report? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. do I help that? And all I can say is that there's spiritual ways to go ahead and reach out to those people. And there's other people that haven't come forward. I need yeah. to pray for our priests and our bishops. You know, someone said everyone should adopt a priest spiritually, should pray yeah. for a specific priest, like fervently, especially during this time. And so I think those things are good because I want to take some sort of an action. Yeah. And one of the actions I can do is prayer. And mm-hmm. the other action that I see a lot of people taking is just uh, event and lament on, on social media. I don't know if that'd be the healthiest for me um, yeah. because yeah. I think that all of a sudden I'd get caught into some of the mess about, oh, if they don't do it this way, then, oh, it's horrible. And, well, if they don't respond in this way, then I'm going to leave the church and all those different things. I'm like, let's just go ahead and hit our knees before yeah. we hit our keyboard. Yeah. Um, I feel like we, I don't know, like our podcast is so short we really can't do this topic justice, but we, Chris and I felt like we, we had to say something, you know, how do we respond to scandal? Because, yeah, we just can't not say something. Yeah, and here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we are trying to share our hearts with one another. Yeah. And yeah. if we don't show the underbelly of ministry, like it's hard, it's hard to be a ministry leader right now, you know, but... I mean, I think about it. At least I'm not wearing clerics. I can't imagine a priest in an airport right now, especially in the East Coast. You wow. know what I mean? I, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if they got spit on, you know? And so uh-huh. it's just like, 
Um, but at the same time, there are still brave priests that are going to wear their clerics and still be an outward sign of God's love, hope, and mercy in yeah. the midst of this scandal. And I think that we need to seek to do the same, to be an outward sign of God's love, hope, and mercy without being dismissive of the hurt that was created. Yeah. Well, I'm going to skip our, our normal closing, except for going together. Like we, we, we say this thing at the end, and we need to do this together. So going forward, we need to stick together. We need to pray for each other. We need to be in solidarity with each other and with our church. Without a doubt. I think we need to um, be intentional about praying for those who are hurt and who are in positions of leadership. Yeah. And we need to recognize that we are in positions of leadership and we can lead the way. So if there is someone that you feel in any way is in the darkness, um, whether it's just you, they, you haven't heard from them. They're, they're the, you know, the ministry leader next at the parish next door or whatever. And you haven't heard from them in a while. Reach in. We need to bring light to each other. And that can be in a number of ways. And I'm not saying if they're withdrawn that they're doing anything scandalous, but they might be in a place where they just need a little bit more hope. And we can provide that. I can't yeah. fix what happened with the scandal and the abuse. I can't fix that, but I can definitely bring light to someone near me. And so let's Amen. do that together. Be, be a positive light of hope and healing in our circle of influence. That's right. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So take some time this week and drop on your knees to pray for other ministry leaders. And we'll see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless.